almost heaven West Virginia Welcome to Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Flint Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino, right here on City News in Halifax and City News in Ottawa. And uh, we're bringing it to you uh, John Denver style. And that's that's a really nice intro, isn't it? It makes you feel warm right down to your toes, doesn't it? You know what? It's one of my favorite songs. And, you know, obviously a lot of different musicians, especially around Halifax, yeah. uh, they play that song all the time. And every time I hear it, I'm like, you know what? I love it. Every time. I love it. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. And you know what? It's just like one of those songs that just feels good. I would have played the entire song before we started the show. But, you know, we, there's a lot we have to talk about here during the next hour. So thanks for tuning in. Well, we can always uh, replay it. The whole thing, if you'd like. I mean, we could, but, you know, I think our listeners probably tuned in to really hear about... I think it's a little late at this point, right? Yeah, maybe so. Absolutely. So, it is November, and that means... Drumroll, please. It is Financial Literacy Month. Where'd you come up with Financial Literacy Month uh, for uh, November? Why is that Well, I didn't come up with it. I I didn't come up with it. No, I'm trying to give you... I'm trying to give you props. People don't know that you didn't come up with it. I know. So, Financial Literacy Month has been going on for years now, and the fini- Financial Consumer Agency of Canada is the one who who picked uh, November as a date to really focus on financial literacy. Yeah. And, you know, I think really now in 2022, talking about financial literacy is more important now than it has been even in the past. You know, I think through the pandemic, a lot of consumers were in pretty good shape financially, Todd. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe people weren't spending as much. Maybe they weren't borrowing as much. Maybe, you know, they weren't eating out and traveling and all these things. Right. But I think now that the economy has opened up, things certainly have taken a turn. As we know with inflation, inflation has really been at all-time highs. You know, we're seeing some good signs that inflation is starting to soften. Obviously, some of the impact that the Bank of Canada has had is now impacting the end consumer. But uh, the cost of groceries, the cost of fuel, and really the cost of mortgage interest rates really have have taken a toll on many households. Mm-hmm. And I think just being financially aware and focusing on financial literacy month this November, I think will pay you dividends going into the holidays yeah. and really into 2023. Um, you know, I think 2023 and really the rest of this year is going to be really about um, tightening the belts. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be about focusing on needs versus wants. And I know we've touched on this, but I think it's going to be even more important now, especially with going into a more challenging you know, time economically for, for this country and really for many countries ac- uh, across the globe. There are everybody su- suffering from the similar type of issues with inflation. Yeah, and I think everybody kind of, we live in the here and now and we, we, we don't understand or not that we don't understand. We forget that these things are all c- cyclical. It's not like we've, this has never happened before. Mm-hmm. We've had these patterns before. We've had... I don't want to say boom bust necessarily, but we've had times There's been of, tough. of plenty. There's times of not plenty. There's Definitely. times of, of of in which people need to need to react to what's going on around them. And I think it's important that. And, but to all of this, 
I think that programs like what we're doing and what is available online and, and the media often gets railed, social media in particular, as being a, a negative impact in people's lives, but I think it can be a positive impact in people's lives. I agree. Because people are now, hopefully, <clears throat> educating themselves to go through these ebbs and flows of what's happening in this cycle, right? And you know what? I, I, I think if anybody who has lived through any of these past you know economic challenges, this is not the first time that I can remember yeah. where we've had to you know maybe financially tighten our belts. And this isn't the first time that we've been in a situation where we've had a higher inflation. Mm-hmm. And it's not the first time that we've had, that we've even seen mortgage rates that are where, where they're at right now. I started 17 years ago, Todd. Yep. I remember what it was like in the early 2000s and mid 2000s. And the rates yeah. were higher then than they are now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we, we're, we're suffering a little bit of uh, shock just at how quickly things can change with inflation, with, you know, mortgage yeah. rates and these things. Um, but we need to remember that we're not, you know, in a situation where the rates are just, just went up over overnight. Yeah. You know, the rates certainly have been, yeah. you know, increasing. And I think yeah. obviously the Bank of Canada has put out a clear message that they will continue to increase the rates to bring inflation in line if that's what needs to happen. You know, many economists think that we're nearly at the top of mm-hmm. what things look like, you know. I Benjamin Tall, I was doing a talk when we were in Vancouver a few weeks ago and we mentioned that, um, you know, he thinks that we're probably another maybe 50 basis points to the ceiling. Again, economists aren't experts at, you know, knowing exactly what's going to go on. Well, and they're, economists they're, are they're, really ex- people, they're experts, but they're not profits. They're not profits. I think <laughs> experts at reading the data, but yeah. the data changes so quickly, yeah. Todd. So it's hard yeah. for even an economist to know what's going to go on in, you know, a month. Yeah. Two months, three months down the okay, road. Okay, well, let me let me ask you this. Okay, I want I want to interject a little bit here. We we've got a lot of young people, uh, and and it's great that we've got a lot of young people in in Nova Scotia and in, of course in Ottawa. Young people who bought houses over the last decade, mm-hmm. graduated, and times have been pretty good since two thousand eight. I mean, let's face it. After the two thousand eight thing, things have been pretty darn good. So for a lot of those people, they graduated, they went to school, they they bought their homes that. It was pretty good times. Times, happy times are here again. And they, and unless you've lived something, you don't, you hear about it in history books. But until you go through it, so do you think for some of those people that this is this is a wake up call for a lot of these people who have not had to go through these types of changes? I think it's certainly a wake up call. Yeah. And I think some people have not had the wake up call yet. Right. Um, you know, I think that there's some consumers, and we talked about it before we we started our show. You know, we were just talking a little bit. There's some consumers that are in a low fixed rate, a low fixed rate mortgage product that they had from four years ago, three years ago, two years ago, that's going to be coming up for renewal. And some of these consumers are renewing into mortgage rates that are double and triple what they had. Wow. Which certainly can have um, an immediate impact. Yep. And, uh, you know, you know, certainly a lot of consumers that are in a variable, you know, they're feeling the pain, Todd. Yeah. I'm in a variable, um, you know, and but the one thing that we need to remember is... With a variable, it currently it's high, but it's going to go down. The thing is with a fixed rate, it almost provides some type of false security in a way. And I have clients that are in a fixed rate that, you know, they think that their term is never going to end. But there's a finite amount of time. Um, you know, certainly the risk tolerance, I think, is changing for people. Um, and obviously the fixed rates right now are very, very high compared to where they have been. Mm-hmm. You know, at a fixed rate, we're talking like mid 5% range right now. Yeah. And... That's not historically high. That's probably somewhere around 
uh, you know, obviously it's still higher, but it's more around maybe what the median mark looks like. But, you know, a lot of economists are projecting, again, they are not profits, they don't know, but they think that we're going to be in a recession type situation by the end of next year. Mm -hmm. So really the pain that a lot of customers are going to see and consumers are going to see, the pain's going to happen for the next 12, 14, 16, 18 months. Right. But how can you get through that, Todd? You know, how can you make sure that you're protected financially? And how can you make sure that you're making the best decisions for yourself and for your household, you know, over this next period of time, which can be and will be challenging for many people. Yeah. Okay. So how do they, what, what's some of the advice that you give? You know, I, 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 you know, we've touched on, you know, needs versus wants. I think really keeping your unsecured debt under control. I think that would, that's a huge one for the consumers that do have, you know, a lot of unsecured debt now, you know, focus on paying that down, make those payments now while you can, because consumer goods may still become more expensive right now, as we know, inflation is almost 7%. Mm -hmm. So every month that goes by, technically things will get more and more uh, expensive. So I would definitely focus on, you know, only spending money when you need to spend. And if it is more of a want, make sure that's more planned out and, you know, thoughtful. I think sometimes, you know, we're in such an instant gratification culture. We want it, we buy it. But there certainly can be implications, obviously, down the road. Um, you know, we're talking things like borrowing costs. We have a lot of consumers that do not use credit cards the way they're supposed to be used. The whole idea about a credit card is that you're not supposed to pay interest. You're supposed to use it and then you're supposed to pay it. And, you know, it certainly is credit that's available from your bank or financial institution that's providing you this card, but you're not supposed to carry a balance on the credit card. Right. And I think that's really something that the culture has shifted and we certainly do have a lot of consumer debt in Canada. Yeah, well heading into Christmas as well, which is not a good scenario for No, a lot and of I think sometimes people always want to like give a Christmas, you know, to their family. Yeah. Whether they have kids or whether they have a spouse or whatever their situation is. I think this year it's gonna be maybe more about experiences versus material things. And that's okay. I think now November is a great time to have these conversations really yeah. at the dinner table. Yeah. I know some of this is taboo, but you know, have the conversations. And I think that's going to pay you dividends going into the new year. Okay, well, we'll have some of those conversations when, when Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership, continues with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. Party started here, Todd. All right, welcome back to Mortgage One One, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. And uh, yeah, the party has definitely started. If it hasn't already, it started. Some people, some people start drinking late after late morning. Well, here's the thing: it yeah. is the weekend, and you could be listening to us uh, on an encore encore presentation. That's right. And you could also be listening to us online on the City News website. Sure. Our show is available there. That's right. Um, and I'll just give a quick shout out. Our show is also available on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere where you get your podcast. Um, it's also available on our website. We yeah. actually are making this uh, radio show into a video right now. So you can always tune in and see what we look like. And do a video. And, no uh, way. Yeah. And do a little wow. video so you can certainly check us out. Wow. So. Do you want to have like a uh, synchronized 
Doug pitch sometime? I mean, maybe we'll. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> that'll be for our, our wrap-up show here at the end of the month. So Why we'll is see. Jonathan shaking his head over there? I don't know. Sometimes the producers don't they like to heckle you? Like I've yeah. I've been in this I've been in the studio lots, and I'm actually going to be going back in the yeah, studio next here week. Uh, next week yeah. uh, for the first time since COVID. So it's almost three years since I've been in the yeah, studio. Yeah, well, we won't be bringing Jonathan with you though. So and you know, when you can hear the producer in, in your ear also heckling you, you yeah, know, it's a bad thing. It's not. It's not good. Luckily, we'll just give him in the the ignore. Sure, uh, like we always do. Exactly. Yeah. So November's financial literacy month. I know yes, we kind indeed. of we talked kicked about it off, earlier. Yeah. Kicked off our show with uh, letting everyone know. It's hard to believe it's November, Todd. Um, you know, Halloween seems like yesterday. Uh, and, it, you know, it, the holidays are really going to be upon us. Yeah. For Financial Literacy Month, this month, we're really talking about three, we're going to call it back to basics, core competencies of what we do here every day. Obviously, we know buying a home is the biggest purchase of a consumer's life. We know the mortgage is the biggest debt. We've talked about that lots. What we're going to be breaking basically the rest of our show down into, we're going to be talking about income, we're going to be talking about assets and we're going to be talking about credit. So, you know, there's certainly lots of great information throughout the show. So I really do encourage everyone to uh, keep your dial where it is. And uh, we're certainly going to do a little bit of a deep dive. So we're going to talk a little bit about income right now. And, yep. uh, you know, certainly lots of hot trends going on in Canada. Yeah. And you wanted to focus a little bit on self-employment because uh, there, this is obviously uh, self-employment is, is probably, it's not, it's nearly as simple as somebody coming in with a T4 this is my job. This is my record. Mm -hmm. This is my letter of employment, blah, blah. There's a lot to this, right? Yeah, I think being self-employed is definitely more complicated. And more and more Canadians are becoming self-employed all the time. Um, and I think the trend is even now, since the pandemic, people have changed the way they work. I think some people have chosen to become self-employed just due to uh, maybe their work doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, they don't want to work from home or maybe they don't want to return to the office. So I think more people are becoming self-employed. Mm -hmm. And if you have not been self-employed for the last, you know, three years, sometimes it is more challenging to, you know, get mortgage lending. Yeah. And I think even if you have been self-employed for a longer period of time, sometimes that is more challenging. I hear from so many consumers that are self-employed that are very scared of banks because they've been told no once or twice or 10 times. Right. You know, I think self-employment, it takes a lot of guts to be self-employed. Yep. And sometimes you make good decisions as a self-employed person. Sometimes you make bad decisions. And that can impact the income that's showing on your tax returns. Right. It can impact your bank statements. It can impact your credit. So I think that self-employed people, for me, I think are lower risk. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. I'm self-employed. You've been self-employed before, have, Todd. Yep. Um, if I need to make more money, I can just work harder. It may take a couple months to come, but, you know, I can certainly put in more effort and I can really up my game and that can certainly make an impact. Um, when somebody's on a salary, it's fixed income. You know, you know exactly how much you have to work with every two weeks. Yeah. And, you know, you might get overtime or you might get a bonus, but usually people that are on a salary have pretty steady income over, over, the, over the year. Mm -hmm. So because I'm self-employed and because, you know, obviously you know, we deal with a lot of self-employed people, um, you know, we can really kind of specialize on knowing what the best solutions are. Um, and I can tell you, there's certainly a lot of self-employed people that are sole proprietors. And that's a very common way that somebody is self, self-employed, just because that's the kind of the easiest barrier to entry to be, you know, opening a business. You can get a business license and yeah. you can operate under your own personal name. You don't need maybe, you know, 
fancy, you know, accounting or you don't, you don't, you don't need a corporation, which can obviously cost money. And, you know, there are many customers that will become a sole proprietor because it's very easy to just kind of turn that on. Um, And obviously, like when you're a sole proprietor, you, you have to take on a little bit of risk, Todd, because obviously everything that is, is you is the business and the business is you. Um, so we do see a lot of those customers and a lot of times, a lot of times their personal finances and their business finances are all kind of tangled together. And we kind of need to sometimes yeah. unweave that web that has been, has, has been, uh, has been made. So that certainly can be an impact. And I think sometimes even those consumers that are sole proprietors, they're trying to claim every single expense that they can possibly find to bring mm-hmm. their income down yep. because they don't want to pay income tax. And, you know, we've used kind of that old adage, you know, if, if you want to not pay a lot of tax, you might have to pay a higher interest rate yeah. because maybe you have to take a higher risk type lender. But there are lots of lenders out there. And I would venture to say, Todd, it's easier now to get a mortgage as self-employed than it mm-hmm. used to be. Because yeah. there certainly are a lot more lenders that have the appetite for self-employed people. And there are a lot of even bank lenders that are that are very apt to work with self-employed people to make it make it work. Because Why is we, that? You know, I think the federal government really put a mandate out that, you know, more Canadians are, you know, becoming entrepreneurs. And I think the banks were really told to be more flexible and more accommodating yeah. to self-employed people. I'm certainly seeing it from what I do. But I think even if you are self-employed and if lending maybe is a little bit more flexible now than it used to be, used to be I still would say that you need to go to an expert that knows how to put all your pieces together and really kind of the best foot forward. Yeah, but it's still all, it fundamentally, lending comes down to risk though, does it not? Mm-hmm. And it, and it, there's an associated risk. It's a, it's a, it's a science. Yeah, and I think right. So that there, there's still that component. And income to is it. a big piece of the risk right. that lenders really yeah. assess, whether you're self-employed or not. Right. Um, the one thing I can say, you know, if you're self-employed, there's certainly things that we can do to mitigate that risk. Such as, maybe we look at your bank statements. Yeah. Maybe we look at contracts that you have. Maybe you're newly self-employed, but you worked in the same industry. So here's an example, Todd. Okay. Let's say you're an electrician. And you've been an electrician the last, you know, 10 years and you decide now you're going to become self-employed. I have seen lenders take a risk on someone who's been self-employed for like six months, one year. Mm -hmm. Normally that wouldn't happen. Normally you need two full years of tax returns and then we would average that income and that's what the lender would use. But what we've done in these type of cases is we'll go back in history. Let's look and see how much you made with your employer the last couple of years. Right. Let's justify the income you're making now that it's going to be continuing. Yep. So credit, well, credit is obviously a, a, yeah. a, a big, a big imp- impact. Yeah. Your assets are obviously a big, big impact, and I think cash flow is a big impact. Yeah. So like I think it's about painting a story. It's like, do you have contracts from customers? Do you have contracts from another right. another business? How can you help me help you? Yep. You know, paint the best picture, and I think it's about asking a lot of questions. Yeah. And I think it's about putting that together. You know, for me, the first thing that I do automatically, I want to know what your tax returns look like. Where is your income coming from? Is it coming from a T4? Is it coming from professional income? Is it coming from business income? Is it coming from a dividend? Like I want to know the sources of the income and I want to know what income you have on paper. Obviously, if we can use your income on paper, you're as good as someone who has a salary. Same, 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 same. But that's not always the case. So it's about asking more questions. 
Most lenders, if you use, uh, you know, sell, uh, sole proprietor income, mm-hmm. they allow you to gross it up. Some allow like a 15, 20% gross up. Right. Some lenders, if you own a corporation and you're taking a dividend, some lenders will allow us to gross up the dividends. Yes. Also, some lenders will allow us to add back a percentage of your net income after dividend and taxes from your corporation. So there's a lot of lenders that certainly have very unique programs and not every lender is the same. I can tell you for self-employed, wide variety of what's what's offered out there. So I really, if you are self-employed and you know, you're looking to do a transaction, Mm -hmm. I think certainly seeking the advice of an unbiased mortgage professional is is really key. All right, so we got lots more to talk about. Uh, quickly, what do you want to get to in the next segment? We're going to talk about assets and how can you can build them now going into 2023. And at the end of the show, we're going to do a deep dive into credit. I think that's certainly sometimes a hot topic and we certainly get asked about that. All right, Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vina. We will be right back. Todd's choice, but it was yes, it's absolutely Todd's choice. Why not? I mean, here's the thing: you get to pick the music on the radio like all week long. Yeah. He only lets me have one for one. It's good. You got to admit it. That's cool. It's groovy, right? It is. Like this could be current day. It sure could be current day. If current day were cool. I mean, here's the thing: <laughs> if any of our listeners uh, were curious. I did. Uh, I did volunteer if Todd ever had a sick day to come in and yeah, like work. That's work, right. You did work the uh, the, work the mixer. The really big shoe. You know. You never know. The day. The day could come. I may already, get the call. I already talked to Dan Allstrand about it. It's already a done deal. Okay. Good. Hopefully, I'll be around because I can't wait. <laughs> Welcome back to Mortgage One One, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino, right here on City News in Halifax and in Ottawa. It is Financial Literacy Month. And uh, we've already covered quite a bit of territory in the uh, in the first uh, in the first couple of segments, and we now will cover the fine topic, the lengthy topic of assets. Assets. So, for those who don't know what an asset is, you never know. Let's go asset one hundred and one. Asset one hundred and one. Now, some people may just honestly, I ask clients all the time. So, tell me about your assets. They're like, no, don't have any. Exactly. I have no assets. I hear that actually quite a lot, quite Don. A lot, yeah. And then I, then I start, I'm like, okay, do you own a vehicle? Yes. Do you have savings in the bank? Yes. Do you have an RRSP? Yes. Do you have a TFSA? Any other non-registered investments? Yes. So trust me, you may not own a home, yeah. but you certainly do have some assets. And, you know, I think knowing what's going on with your assets, I think is really important. And obviously right now, people that have their money in some financial markets, some consumers this year aren't doing too well. No. You know, I think going out of 2021, everyone was kind of living the high. Yep. I even thought to myself, I'm like, you know what? I'm doing pretty good at this. Yeah. I could probably do this and like do this as a career and just like 
live. Mm-hmm. Um, do what? Do what is a career? Like trade stocks and stuff. Oh, you can buy, buy, sell, and yeah. trade. Trust yeah. me, I am not a financial advisor. I'm not a stockbroker. This is not advice. Right. Um, but uh, I soon learned yeah. I'm not that good at this. No. And I'll have to be working another couple of years just due to what's happened yeah. here in 2022. Obviously, there's been you know some losses and you know the markets are not as good as they were yeah. even a year ago. So uh, I think you know there's financial assets. Mm-hmm. So that's really what's going on maybe in your bank account, in your investment account. That's what we consider financial assets. Um, you know, another big, big asset that clients have, you know, obviously outside of their car, a lot of clients have an insurance policy that has a cash value. Yeah. You know what? And that, uh, in, you know, insurance policy certainly can be cashable if clients want. And sometimes clients use these insurance policy as a, as an investment vehicle. Yeah. And, uh, depending on, you know, your, obviously your financial position, sometimes clients can even leverage their, their, in, their, uh, insurance, yeah. Yeah. uh, and securitize, you know, debt against it. Yeah. So, um, there's obviously that. And, you know, the biggest asset that we really talk to customers about every day is their home. And the home is typically the biggest asset in a household, but it's maybe not the only big asset that clients have. We certainly have a lot of customers that have second homes. Yeah, right, yeah. You know, well, we're we're cottages. we're in cottage country here yeah. in Nova Scotia, yeah. and I'm sure even some of our our listeners in Ottawa do have second homes in Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of customers also own rental properties, and uh, owning rental properties can be a great way at building your assets. Typically, with a rental, you buy it, you have a mortgage, and uh, tenants pay rent, and you pay down your mortgage. You know, maybe over 20, 25, 30, 30 years. And that can certainly be a great asset that can appreciate as you pay down the debt and really someone else is paying down the debt. It can be a really good way at increasing your net worth somewhat passively. I know people, lots of people have, that have rentals that the tenants don't even know you're the owner and they hire um, like property managers and stuff like that, Todd. It can be really a great way at, you know, building assets, you know, over time. I don't know if there's any get rich quick scheme, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, I think consumers that bought a house like prior 2019 and prior, they got pretty rich on paper, Yeah. right? Yeah. Because the property values went up, they paid their mortgages down and their net worth increased, which means your asset, your net remaining asset has increased in many, many cases. And I'm talking just across this country. Right, right, right. What about things like boats and stuff like that? You know what? They're all assets. Yeah. And you know what? Boats and ATVs and motorcycles, yeah. they've all become more valuable. Yeah. Cars have become more valuable. Todd, do you ever remember a time that like used cars are going up in value? It's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah. You know, my my vehicle lease is actually up December 1st. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'll, I'll probably will sell the vehicle or yeah. I'm going to extend the lease because I don't have a new vehicle to buy. There's right. not a lot of inventory still yeah. um, with that. But the price of the vehicle is worth more than uh, what the the residual is. Mm-hmm. That's not normal. No, we're in kind of a reverse uh, territory here, yeah. where vehicles are worth more, and in some cases they're going up in value. Right. It's yeah. the same thing with boats. It's the same yeah. thing with any of like um, leisure vehicles and stuff like that. Certainly worth more than they were, yeah. and 
Again, we're in a weird time. Yeah, what about land? Just straight up land's worth some, some cash. I think land's it? worth a lot of cash. Yeah. And depending where the land is, the land really has appreciated as well. Mm-hmm. Just like, um, you know, real estate. I kind of consider land and, you know, if there's a property like with a structure on it, it's kind of the same in terms of like a real estate holding. Yeah. I think land may, may not appreciate as quickly, but again, it depends where that land is located. Yeah. And it's really, we're in a game here of supply and demand. And right now, in many areas, the demand is higher than the supply, right? And that's why we've seen price increases. Now, I think we would be remiss to say that some people and some of our listeners, um, you know, in Ottawa and in Ontario, their assets have gone down for their real estate. And I think real estate is selling for less now in Ontario than it was. I heard uh, kind of at the peak of the price, the average home price in in Ottawa was almost Mm $900,000. And now... Some of the stats that I've heard, the average home price is now about seven hundred fifty thousand. So, mm-hmm. you know, you if if you bought a home at the peak, yeah. maybe it's worth a little bit less. Yeah. Or if you owned a home before and you're like, now my home has gone up in value. Yeah. It's now maybe gone down a little bit, and I think some consumers from across this country are feeling that and seeing that. Yeah. We're starting to see that a little bit in the appraisals, um, but maybe not as much here in Halifax and Atlantic Canada. We've never had the boom, you know. We've never had this like double digit growth. The last couple of years, yes, we had a lot of price increases, but our average house price here is still like under five hundred thousand. What about uh, with uh, with uh, of course Fiona and, and other events like that? Mm. Is, there, might there be some concern that some of this real estate that was we know that it's coveted waterfront and all of that stuff that, that it happened? Like look at Port of Bass. It at Port of Bass. So perhaps some people who may have been sitting on what they thought might have been a certain value might not be based on that what do you what are your thoughts on that? i would 100 percent agree with you um i know customers that are on on the ocean that now have had to put in like huge like seawalls and stuff to protect their right. property yeah and we're not talking like a 10 twenty thousand dollar fix we're talking like 100 200 dollar fixes and in some cases you know some consumers and some homeowners have lost their home yeah. due to natural disasters yeah. like the hurricane yeah their homes are not there or they've been destroyed. And I think in a lot of these cases, they're not covered by insurance. Mm-hmm. And that's why provincial governments, federal governments kind of work together to put together a fund that, you know, people can access, um, you know, emergency yeah. relief. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that's certainly something that can can uh, have an impact. Um, my grandmother, her family actually owned uh, a hotel in Nova Scotia on the western shore and due to erosion the property isn't isn't there anymore yep and you know that was a long time ago so we're not talking about like anything that happened recently but during the um you know second world war they did some they removed some like rocks to build something and then the erosion happened and the property just eventually went away i mean it probably didn't happen in one year but there certainly are issues around erosion. And I think if you own property that is, you know, waterfront, right. that is certainly a, a yeah. valid concern. Yeah. And I guess the other side of it is, is that what might have been thought useless or not useless, but but um, real estate that didn't have a whole lot of value, suddenly a development goes near it or whatever it might be, and then a bunch it of employment comes. So, so you just don't know long-term what could happen with assets, right? So that's yeah. something to look at. I think it's sometimes that's what's important when you're looking at buying a property as well. It There's that old adage, like buy the worst house in the best neighborhood because yeah. then that house is obviously going to appreciate as well. Um, and 
there was a, a real estate seminar that I used to kind of uh, put on with a, a realtor and some other business partners, and they gave a really good adage. And there were two homes side by side; they looked identical. Mm-hmm. It's like what what home is worth you know more money? What what home what home is more valuable? And you know it was really zoomed in. You know, the house, little garage, little yard, everything like looks great. You zoom out, and right in the backyard of this one house was like a commercial development. Right. So that house was not as valuable yeah. as the exact same house, but in a more residential area. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, you know, I think buying the worst house in the in on the best street sometimes can be can be really really great because you can also improve your home. Mm-hmm. Really hard to change the location of your home. Yeah, though. that's right. Yeah. The location sometimes can take a really long time to genderify sometimes, yeah. depending on like yeah. where you're at. Having amenities though, like uh, municipal water and all of that stuff, huge. That's, that's huge, isn't it? Huge. It's massive. Yeah. People don't put enough value in that, do they sometimes? Some people really want to live on acreage. Some people right. really want to have well and septic. Yeah. Sometimes those properties are slightly more challenging to finance, just depending on like what lender, you know, you're going to. Yeah. And you also then need to maintain it. Your well may not last forever. Your septic might la- not last forever. And you need to do maintenance. The obviously downside of being on city services are you need to pay a bill. You got to pay for the water, right? And you need to make sure that your connection to the services is good. So there's pros and cons to both. Um, I would say definitely properties that are more valuable typically are hooked up to uh, city services. Typically, like if you're looking at two side by side, something on city services would typically, you know, be uh, more expensive. Asphalt, all that stuff, paved, all that, that's all part of the asset. Yeah, I think portfolio. those are all improvements that you can also do to your property. Right. Um, you know, and I think that's a really great way to increase your assets is by increasing the value of your home. Obviously, the market can be an impact, mm-hmm. but I think things like renovations can certainly be a big impact as well. Yeah. And there's certainly some renovations, Todd, that consumers do, and they like they double their money. Yeah. I think there's some renovations that consumers do that actually reduce the value, reduce the value of their home. So I think that's something to think about. You know, things like pools don't always add value. And I think sometimes when people do renovations, sometimes it also, if the quality uh, isn't as good, then, you know, that can certainly be an impact as well. Okay, we have another segment to go. It's uh, Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. We will be right back. Welcome back to Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino, and we are psychedelically tripping out on your 
Saturday or Sunday or whenever. Also you're in the morning. <laughs> hopefully, this got your morning going. That's I, it I, it got, I think it got our morning going. Yeah, and if you just happen to be, you know, like tripping out on some type of chemical, then like Diet Coke or whatever it might be, you never know. Could also be coffee. Who it knows? Could also be coffee. That's right. I don't right. drink the stuff. I stay away from that. Well, there you go. So it's financial. That's probably why I'm so strange. It's financial literacy month, and uh, we've had uh, some three excellent segments so far. And we're mm-hmm. going to wrap things up. We're going to talk about credit. Credit da, da, da. with a capital C, right? With a capital capital C. Yeah, credit uh, is credit the stir that uh, the, the straw that stirs the drinkers at the drink. It might be the drink. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> it would definitely be this. Definitely the straw. I mean, it's obviously a big piece. It's not everything, Todd. No, it's not everything. But let's face it: it when somebody walks into your office and they sit down and you can and pull up those say, scores, and those scores look nice, then you can go, "Huh, okay." Now we can. It can uh, certainly impact the direction. Right, right. It certainly can impact that's the right, direction. That's right. And there's so many impacts to credit, Todd. Yeah. You know, and it's not just some people are like, "My credit's bad. My credit's bad forever." That's not reality. It's credit's a snapshot in time. And it's really made up of your, you know, credit mix. So the type of accounts that you have, it's made up of your payment history. Obviously, that's very important. And it's made up of the, your limits compared to your balances. Obviously, the lower the balance, maybe the better the score. But the one thing, and you can always change the balance, Todd. The one thing that you can't erase is mispayments. And I've seen people miss like $10 payments. Yeah. You know, you beg, borrow, and steal to make those payments because you can't change those bad payments. Right. But they're not on there forever. Ever. So that's one thing that we should mention. Any derogatory things that are on the credit bureau, depending on the province, in Nova Scotia, they're on there for six years. Mm-hmm. Okay? So if you had a collection, if you had a bankruptcy, a first bankruptcy, if you have a written off account, uh, any derogatory payments, they're going to be off after six years. Okay. So I think that's really important to remember. You're not in purgatory for having, you know, some blemishes on your credit forever and ever. Yeah. And sometimes people think having a blemish on their credit means they're done. That's not the case. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if you can justify it, if it's isolated, if you, your payment history has been good since that point, I think there's always a solution. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's about going with the best foot forward and having all the information. I think the more information that we know, you know, in the mortgage industry, the easier it is to kind of justify that. And also it helps us, you know, know which direction we need to go with the file really. Now, let's say that you had a major, you know, life event and you had some issues. There are certainly lenders that are tailored more towards clients that have, you know, some rougher credit because the credit really tells the lender what the character of the client is and really what their willingness is to pay. Bad credit doesn't necessarily mean bad person. Mm -hmm. So that's really what I want to kind of break down that misconception. You know, 90% of the clients that we see every day have like AAA perfect credit. Yeah. But 10% have had some challenges. Right. And that could be because they had matrimonial breakdown. They could have had health issues. They could have had loss of business. And sometimes, Todd, I'll be honest with you, sometimes it's just mismanagement of money. Right. That's reality. Yeah. Um, But I think make your mistakes but don't make the same mistake twice. You know, some people keep on making the same mistakes and sometimes they're, they're always like, like in this perpetual mm-hmm. challenge. Yeah. Um, and I think going into a tougher economic times, some customers are going to suffer some credit challenges. You know, if they are losing their job yeah. or if they're losing their business or, you know, obviously if the cost of goods are going up, 
it's going to impact some people. Right. It really, really is. And, and, you know, I think knowing what's going on with your credit is really important. And there's a couple of free apps that you can monitor your credit. Right. So there's two credit reporting agencies in Canada. There's TransUnion and there's Equifax. We primarily use Equifax. Some lenders will use both. Some lenders will only use TransUnion. Just kind of depends. Um, so I'd recommend downloading both apps. You can go directly to TransUnion or Equifax to get uh, credit monitoring. And that's typically a paid service, Todd. Um, so not everybody wants to pay, of course. Mm-hmm. If you don't mind being maybe displayed a few ads, sent a few emails, yeah. there are two free apps. And they're both available on the um, Apple App Store or on uh, Google Play. Um, and one's called Credit Karma. And Credit Karma brings in the data from TransUnion. And the other one is Borrow Well. And that brings in the data from Equifax. So it shows all your accounts. It shows any of your credit inquiries. It shows all your payment history. And it gives you a score. Now, the score that are on these apps doesn't necessarily mean that's a score that we're going to see or your lender is going to see. Because we use different versions of the credit bureau. But the data, all in all, Todd, should be very similar. Should be the same data. And there's lots of times that we see issues on clients' credit bureaus that are mistakes. Right. And with Equifax, we actually have an investigation process where we're able to work with Equifax and the consumer to investigate any issues. And sometimes we've had stuff resolved. So yeah. I think that if there's an issue on your credit bureau, there can be a path to getting that fixed as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I, I think obviously if if ignoring the th- these things, though, is, is the, the biggest mistake people make, right? Sometimes like, to people your point, put right? their head in the sand. And yeah, the like, trade. And they hope that it just goes away. It'll eventually go away after six years, after but six, six years, years is a long time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And having open communication and dialogue with people who you are wanting to borrow money with is also a massive thing. And we've talked a lot about I this. I think being like open and honest and like yeah. if you if there have been challenges, like give us the information. Yeah. We can, like I want to advocate on people's behalf. Yeah. But if I don't know, it's really hard for me to put that best, best foot forward. Yeah. And I think sometimes like clients think they have kind of not so great credit yeah. and they come in. Perfect. Is that right? People just don't know. Yeah. You you think you people kind of would know. Yeah. And then I people would be like, no, I think it's all good. It's all fine. And it's a train wreck. <laughs> so I think awareness, what's going on with credit, keeping an eye on it, yeah. really important, especially if you want to do a mortgage transaction. As you know, that's one of our real cornerstones on what's going on with mortgage lending. So yeah. download Credit Karma, download yeah. BorrowWell. They're free. If you don't want the ads, then go directly to TransUnion or Equifax. They do have free versions, Todd, yeah. but they, you can pay for credit. You don't from. use the term train wreck, though, when you're talking to the clients, do you? No, like sometimes I'm like, wow, this is actually a train wreck. How are we going to get, how are we going to get this? How are we going to get, what's the best foot forward? Yeah. And, you know, I've done 4,700 transactions. I think now more than 4,700. I think we might be like coming up on 4,800. I'm not sure. Yes. For about $1.2 billion worth of mortgages. Let me tell you. I've seen everything. Yeah. My team's seen everything. Yeah. Every day I see something new. And sometimes it's new stuff with credit. And sometimes it's just something new in general. Um, one little tidbit before we kind of wrap up what we're talking about with credit. Yep. It's, you know, there's no magic mix to credit. Mm-hmm. But I think having a balance between installment credit and credit cards, really important. Yeah. Use your credit card, pay it, use it and pay it. Never go above 35, 30, 50% of the limit. Yep. Make sure you make all your payments. And credit from major credit grantors is better, i.e. bank lenders. When you get credit from you know, alternative sources like 
City Financial and Fairstone and stuff right. like that, that yeah. doesn't look as favorable right. on a credit bureau. Typically, we want to see a consumer to have two years of good credit, at least two pieces of credit with at least a yeah. $2,000 limit. Use it and pay it. Use it and pay it. But sometimes the City Financial is a start. It's a good start. And yeah. I think proving that you can make those payments. Right. And I think if you have very thin credit, but you yeah. are renting, make sure you're making your rent payments on yeah. time. You know, these there's certainly non-reporting credit you know, uh, facilities that we can really, you know, build a good picture with. If you have very thin credit, but your credits, you know, or you don't have any credit at all, you know, build the story. Why don't you? Were you a non-resident? Where yeah. did you just not have any credit? And maybe if you have, a, you know, a cell phone, or maybe if you have a, a lease for an apartment or something, and you're making those payments on time, that can certainly help. And we certainly have made a business case with kind of alternative credit sources as well. All right, so we've covered a lot of stuff uh, on financial literacy. I feel like we could talk for another hour, honestly. And in fact, we will indeed next week. We'll talk uh, for another hour. Yeah, so we're going to be on the we're going to be live in Halifax on yeah. on City News. Um, so any of our listeners in Ottawa can certainly tune in online. That's right. And then at the end of the month, we're going to have another hour show, another hour and show. we're going to talk about how can you keep financial literacy month going all year long. Exactly. People want to get a hold of you. How do they do so? Check us out online at teamclinton.ca slash radio. Lots of great information on there. We have hundreds of blog posts and we have a page set up just for financial literacy months. So certainly Lovely. check us out. Thank you, Clinton. Thanks, Todd. That's Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. That's Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening, folks. We appreciate it.